I put in my hours there. I would go into the studio and I would record myself. I'd record myself for 20, 30 minutes to hours just to hear myself, hear what I'm saying. And that helped me break down what do I want to tell the whole world? What is it that I want to share? Also sending my my clips to my friends like, hey, you know, how does this sound? Like, give me feedback. What do you think? At first, it's all over the place, right? But then it starts becoming more... You start sharpening it, correct? That's when I told myself, okay, now that I have this studio, what can I do with it? Then I talked to my supervisor because I was working on campus. Like, hey, we don't have a podcast on campus. Let's launch our first podcast. What's up? My name is CJ Finley, and this is the Thrive on Life podcast. I started a brand called Thrive on Life to help other mission-based people, brands, and businesses thrive. Each week, we interview people on topics of business, health, relationships, mindset, and much more to help us thrive in all areas of life. If the messages in this podcast resonate with you, but you're still feeling a little bit stuck in actually implementing these ideas, I'd love to help you on a more personalized level or connect you with somebody that can. So please reach out. Also, if you've got a friend who you know could benefit from hearing this episode, please share the love with them. My goal is always to spread positive impact through the sharing of knowledge, and I would be honored if you could help me achieve this goal. Today's guest is Jorge Luis Quintero. He's a communication specialist, entrepreneur, athlete, and a man of God. His mission is to live a noble and stoic life while teaching others the importance of communication. Jorge's two whys in life are to take care of his parents, retire them, and create generational wealth, as well as reach his maximum human potential and leave a meaningful legacy behind. I've had the pleasure to work alongside Jorge at several events, as well as run the Memorial Day Murph with him, and in all scenarios, he brings great energy and a willingness to serve. And I'm looking forward to bringing his energy to you here today. Please welcome to the show, Jorge Luis Quintero. What is up, Thrive Fam? CJ Finley here again with another episode of the Thrive on Life podcast. And today I have in front of me Mr. Jorge Luis Quintero. He is a content specialist, wait, communication specialist, content creator, and entrepreneur. And I'm very much looking forward to this conversation because in my life right now, my wife and I just had our son. He turned 11 weeks and communication is a very hot topic with us. So I'm looking forward to learning from what I would say an expert in that arena. And the first thing that I'd love to dive into is communication. But before we do that, I just want to ask you, how are you doing today? I am doing phenomenal. For uh, Honored. I'm honored to be here in this podcast, Thrive On Life podcast. I think the message behind the podcast is amazing. And you yourself, you're a very disciplined person and I feel honored. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Well, I appreciate you showing up. Uh, Jorge is partnered in a company called Juiced Up and he showed up with a PB smoothie. So you know how to make an entrance with me at least because I'm going to smash that right after <laughs> we talk here today. But first question I have uh, lined up for you is you mentioned you're a communication specialist. What started your obsession with understanding communication? It started back in 2019 when I was living by myself. Solitude. I think when you live by yourself, I believe when you live by yourself, you have a lot of time to think. You also have more freedom to play with. So I'd go to HEB by myself. That used to be my hobby. I'd go to HEB, go find something every day to go to HEB. I'd eat by myself, go to coffee shops by myself. So then I really started interacting with the people I, I was around with, whether it was the server, the bartender, the person to the left or the right of me. I always tried making a connection and then it would lead to a conversation. So prior to that, I had a different mindset. I thought differently, especially politically. 
But then the more I connected and the more I talked with people, my perspective slowly started changing because then I started seeing the other side, if that makes sense. It does. What side were you on prior? So I would say I was very liberal. I was very liberal, especially in the college scene. A lot of the professors are very liberal, I would say. So I embodied that. Oh, this is a very hot topic. Are they liberal or are they just catering to what's in front of them? Because human nature is we want to be liked. So one of the issues I have with college is it's groupthink. So people won't stick their neck out in front of 50 other, like say they're a teacher and they're students. Yeah. They're not going to stick their neck out in front of those 50 students because they don't want to be run out of town. So they just oblige. It, that's my belief. I think that's what happens. And you get the cyclical cycle of everybody just thinking the same way. That could be true. And I, I see where you're coming from. And I say that because also I've only had one professor in my whole life in college say, when you start your own business, every other professor has said, when you join the workforce, which is programmed in a way, correct, right? Yeah. But then there was that one professor. And to me, and I was in communications when I was going for my master's, that I really appreciated her because I've always been waiting for someone to tell me that, one of the professors. So I do see where you're coming from where they're just trying to please everybody and they're afraid of maybe speaking out in the college scene. I get it. Yeah. And you're, you're catering to the masses, I would say. It's just like, and I, I want to preface, like, I honestly feel bad for teachers <laughs> at this time in space. It's like, you can't, they can't be themselves. And that's an unfortunate thing. And wh what I think that also creates is an environment where we don't get the best teachers. Because if you can't have a teacher who has an opinion and wants to back his opinion in education, then you're going to get just the same old types of people who more align with robots than they do human beings. So pulling this back into how you got into communication and how you were thinking prior to 2019 and kind of siloing off, I'd love to know what created that, that silo. My change in majors. So before I was studying rehab science, but I couldn't pass chemistry to save my life. I was, I, the only class I ever failed was chemistry. Chem 2. Chem 2? Chem 2. Failed it and then I got a D. You got a... Oh, man, <laughs> that sucks. I, I always thought chemistry was going to be like some type of Breaking Bad shit where you're cooking meth and, you know, you're, you're doing all these cool things, but it was nothing like that. And, well, I, I decided to switch majors. I had two more years left in my undergrad. I also had two more years left for... I used to run cross-country and track in college. And I just wanted to get get it done with. So I chose history. I'm like, it should be easy. History doesn't change. But what I failed to realize is you have to do a lot of reading and writing. And those are the two things that I'm very terrible at. But I was excited for it because it helped me craft those skills. But it also, I would say in history, middle school and, his, middle school and high school history is very repetitive. But then in the college scene, especially at Incarnate Word, history was different because it's not the same and you're learning all kinds of history and that really opened up my perspective and it also made me value education because I believe at our institution the historian teachers they were given the freedom to teach the history that they wanted to teach you know history of Middle East history of Asia there was even history elective cultural classes as, as far as like Star Trek and history uh, Harry Potter and history which how they would use pop culture in real life through those movies so that gave me a, a different perspective to look at because 
I feel like in middle school and high school, we were very programmed in history. It was very, very selective. But then this became more broad. And I started understanding more about education, history, and the way the world works. So really, the shift and change of my majors was how I started opening up more to realization. And there's always two sides to a story. So that's where it happened, I would say. So you shift you shift into a different major and run me through the end of that. So obviously like college is just a certain time frame. A lot of people I would say what they did in college and what they do in reality is two different things. And I think that's a struggle of our time is so many people going to college, spending a lot of money on a degree that they don't necessarily use. When you switched, were you thinking about what after college was looking like? Was that something that you thought about and a reason behind the switch? No, not at all. I really just wanted to finish school. To tell you the truth, even going back before I started college, I never thought of even going to college to begin with. I always thought if I didn't get a scholarship for running cross country and track, I was going to join the military. I never had a vision in mind. But then luckily I was able to gain my full scholarship to run cross country and track in college. And I told myself, okay, now I have four years to think about what I want to do with my life. I, 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 luckily I retroed, so I was given an extra year, five years. So with those five years, my plan was hopefully make it to the Olympics one day. You know, train my ass off and make it to the Olympics. I got, a, I got involved in the party scene, you know, my, my first couple years of college and uh, it was fun. It took away from my discipline and it also took away from my vision as to what I wanted to do. I don't know what I wanted to do. At, at the end of the day, I really just wanted to graduate and, you know, kill it in cross country and track. But then when I shift, uh, the, the shift in uh, majors history was when I really valued education because middle school and high school, I didn't care about school. I just did what I needed to do to pass. In college, it was different. If you don't have a certain GPA, you're not able to compete. And I need that school was uh, like running was paying for my school, but at the same time too, if I don't pass my classes and I don't, don't have, have a job, run. yeah, yeah. So I had to make sure that I had to pass my classes. But with history, I really valued the education where I could do something with this, and that's when I started thinking about traveling the world, podcasting, documenting, and having conversations with people as to like what's really going on. I don't know how to get this message across, but. How can I make this happen? So that was my thinking as far as what I wanted to do. And then I realized after graduating what I really wanted to do. I didn't have the guts to do it, but I, I knew what I wanted to do. And that was live in a van, travel all the United States and have a podcast and related to somewhat history. You know, what, what, what's gone on, what's going on here and like, what's, what's the truth? You know, seek the truth. I think that's the most important thing that we seek in this world is what is the truth. So that's that, that was kind of my uh, little history of just my undergrad year of college. It hits home because I had an academic scholarship and I played college soccer. So I know the pressure of you're really there to do one thing, but then you have to do this other thing so that you can do the one thing. And it, it it's almost like you're half-assing in two in two ways. And that I, that's one of the most frustrating things I, I witnessed when I, I played soccer in, 
in England for two weeks. He went to just like this tournament and to play British teams. And from a very young age, they deciphered who was going to go all in in one area, like soccer, football, as they would call it. So they would study for a couple hours in the morning, and then the rest of the day was sport. Versus in America, we try to just jam everything into everyone. And it just creates so much anxiety and overwhelm, I feel like, in everyone. You have to be good at everything that you do, and that keeps people from starting new things. So when we're talking like content creation, you you would call yourself a content creator. When did you start taking some of the lessons that you were learning and what I view it as is being a leader because you were shifting and, and doing things in a different way. You were deciding I'm going to do a different major. I'm going to kind of live alone and silo myself off and start talking to different people. What did content creation look like in college? Because for me, it looks completely different than obviously today because we have different tools and technologies. But I think there's certain things I did that helped me kind of get the ball rolling once content creation became a part of my life. So for you, when you were in college, was there anything that you were doing or skills that you picked up that then helped in the world of content creation? And what did that look like? Well, first I had to download social media. There was, there was a point in my college life where I realized it's consuming me, but that's because I was not disciplined with it. So I deleted all my social media for a couple of years and I was doing very good. That's when I was doing my best at running and I was getting good grades in school. But then, you know, when I told myself, okay, I want to do podcasting, I need social media. So then I finally downloaded social media and what helped me with content creating was, and when I went for my master's in, in uh, communications, they have this recording studio. I put in my hours there. I would go into the studio and I would record myself. I'd record myself for 20, 30 minutes to hours just to hear myself, hear what I'm saying. And that helped me break down what do I want to tell the whole world? You know, what is it that I want to share? Also sending my, my clips to my friends like, hey, you know, how does this sound? Like, give me feedback. What do you think? At first, it's all over the place, right? But then it starts becoming more, you start sharpening it, correct? That's when I told myself, okay, now that I have uh, this studio, what can I do with it? Then I talked to my supervisor because I was working on campus. Like, hey, we don't have a podcast on campus. Let's launch our first podcast. So I was able to launch the, the school's first ever podcast, which was pretty cool. And through that, uh, through that journey of launching that first podcast, I also launched my first podcast back in 2020 in the midst of COVID, which was called Quintero Odinero. And having both of those podcasts really helped me as far as being creative with uh, content creating. But I wasn't paying attention to everybody else that was doing content creation. If anything, I would hear podcasts, but I wasn't seeing them on Instagram. I wasn't looking at people like on communications and podcasting. If anything, I was just listening to Joe Rogan, Jocko Wilkes, um, Joey Diaz. I wasn't listening to many podcasts. But as the years went on, I started evolving slowly and slowly and just picking up the pieces of where can I gain better information from studying the competition. Because in college, 
it's very, you don't really get taught about content creating. In the communications department, you're learning the basics of communications, but you're also learning on being a better writer, being a better researcher, studying different information. So studying that information, when you put that into social media and other content creators, that helped me at least analyze as to what I can work on and be better. So I would say, yeah. If someone out there is looking at starting their own content creation journey, what would your advice be to them? I would, I would say get a phone and record yourself. Record yourself for five, 10 minutes of like what you want to speak about and then watch yourself. Watch yourself and critique yourself. It's going to suck. You're going you're gonna to hate it. But then you're going to realize what you want to speak about. You know, don't, don't, don't even think about it. Just grab your phone and record yourself. That's what I would say. It's interesting that you said that because when I coach um, and anybody that's worked with me knows that I'll have you do this. I mentioned that just because you're creating doesn't mean you have to post. I think a lot of people fail to recognize that the first step is either picking up the pen and writing or writing in your phone or recording as Jorge says, but you don't have to show the world. The goal should be the skill. So one of the challenges I always have with anybody that I'm working with is I want you to wake up and I want you to record yourself in front of your camera for five minutes a day for 30 days. And it can, you can literally talk about anything. And what you'll start realizing is how much you say, um, and like, and, uh, the first step to getting better is just recognition. So we we're talking about a podcast here. I used to say filler words all the time. And now when I go through Descript and look at transcriptions, I can see how much the guests have filler words versus myself. And it's very interesting because I've done it so much that I catch myself over and over and over again, and then I reduce the amount of filler words, which then reduces the amount of work I have on the back end to get rid of those filler words. That's always been the goal. The goal is to improve my skills. So what you mentioned is such a low-level, easy way, because we all have phones, right? So anybody that's listening, the number one thing I would agree with is pick your phone up and just record yourself doing something. And then the next level of that, you already hit the nail on the head, is send to somebody that you value their opinion. And I think this is what a lot of people struggle with. They put something out there, but then they get the opinions of people that don't actually matter. So for instance, if I want to be a better podcaster, I want the opinion of somebody that's already done what I'm trying to do. I don't care what anybody else thinks. So I'm going to seek the feedback and constructive criticism of somebody that's already along the path. For you, Jorge, who have been those people along that path that have helped you improve your skills? And how did you approach them in the beginning of asking for help? Because I think, especially as a man, we struggle to ask for that. But in the content creation arena and in the communication arena, the better that you get at leaning into, this is what I'm great at and this is what I'm not great at, but I'm okay with not being great at it and I'm gonna reach out to somebody that might be able to help me in this area, the better off we are in the long run. Well, as far as for myself, 
my circle's a little small and it's the people that I trust, right? So it's like a couple of my best friends and my brother, my brothers. I send it to them because I know that they're going to tell me the truth. They're going to tell me what I need to hear, but what I don't want to hear. And that's how it is with life. You know, I'll ask them for feedback and they're going to they're gonna give it to me. And I, I don't want to hear it, but I need to hear it. And I'm like, I can trust them with podcasting as well. They're, I know they're not content creators, but they have very good verbiage. They talk very well and they listen to podcasts. So why not send it to them? And I just asked them. I literally asked them and they gave me the feedback that I need to hear. Is there any feedback that you've, that you've heard that hurt, but you know, you needed to to hear it. Is there anything that comes to mind? All the time. Yeah. My brother's an asshole. (laughs) Yeah. He'll, he'll straight up tell me that, uh, my vocabulary is not better than a fifth graders. And that hurts. (laughs) That hurts. But it also helps me with educating myself, sharpening those skills, picking up a book and reading. I see you have a lot of books. I'm sure that's helped you a lot with being a better speaker. And that's what I'm working on myself as well as reading, reading and focusing on what I'm reading as well. Because back then when I would read, I would read and my, my brain would just wander off and I would forget as to everything I read. So it's interesting point because the reason I have these books out right now isn't because I want to look like I, I read a lot of books, but I live in principles and I whipped out books. Uh, I'm doing consulting on the side right now and coaching. And I was whipping out books from my little library here um, that I thought taught me great principles. So the way that I work is like, I kind of am very heavily into a visual learner. So when I read a book and it has a lot of structure and principles in it that I can then reutilize in my own life, I can just look at the book, like for instance, we have scaling up here. I can remember visually kind of the principles of scaling something. And then on a whiteboard here, I can then write scaling up and I can just bullet point some execution items from that book. And then if we're talking like profit first, which is somewhere lying around here, uh, it talks about just focusing on your profit in a business first. So then I write that on the whiteboard and when I'm doing consulting, it's like, okay, like we need to be understanding like what's our profit margin and everything. And then last one, difficult conversations. This one is great for this episode right now because we're talking communication and the number one thing in business I would say has little to do with your knowledge and experience and more to do with your people skills. Because, I mean, unless you're going to be a one-man machine, but even then you have to sell something to somebody, understanding human beings and being able to have difficult conversations that are going to come up no matter who you are, um, if you can understand that and you can keep your, your emotions, I don't, I don't want to say controlled, but almost like throttle your emotions based on the the conversation um, and understand who you're talking to when and how they like to receive something, it's going to be vital to you in the business world. And when I see this book and then I write that up on the board, it's when I'm working with somebody, it's getting them to understand that you're going to have difficulties along the way. So you might as well start now understanding how to have those difficult conversations. You're going to have to fire somebody. Maybe that person like, 
that you have to let go is in a really bad spot in their life. How do you handle that? How do you do it with grace and understanding and empathy? If you're going to build something, that's going to happen at some point. Uh, and I have a funny story about this because um, a few years ago, I was running like an internship program. And one of the things that I think I did differently than anybody else out there when you're running an internship program is right from the get-go, I was like, I want my interns hiring somebody. I want them like, I'm going to give them some cash and I'll be like, go on Fiverr, Upwork, or somebody else that you know at school and like, let's have you start to manage somebody and just see how difficult it actually is. Um, and one of my, one of my interns hired a friend, like almost on a whim. And I knew right away, I could just sense that I was like, this is not going to be good. He didn't vet her. He didn't like give her a project or a task to do. Um, he was just like, she's a good friend. She does quality work at school. This is going to be a good hire. Um, what he failed to see was some of the characteristics that she was showing was that she was a perfectionist and that she was like very slow mm. and cared too much about like, what do you think about this? And, and what do you think about that? And in a startup environment, you need somebody that's an action taker and just going to do, and then kind of like ask for forgiveness afterwards. Uh, so right away he realized that like, she was kind of like dragging the energy down because any little thing she had to ask a question on or, or like, is this good? Can I do this? And we needed people that were really just like, I'm going to go do this, give me the green light. And then they run and they come back with the results. Uh, so he had to actually let her go like two <laughs> weeks later. Um, and I'm going on a tangent here, but it's really coming back to the whole point of this conversation of you learning how to improve your communication because you're willing to understand that maybe your communication isn't that great in the first place. So hearing that from your brother and then understanding, okay, how do I go from fifth grade vocabulary to sixth grade? So that's what I'd love to dig into now. Like what tactics have you used to become a better communicator outside of podcasting? We know that you've done that. We've known that you've read some books and, and done some things in that arena, but what are some things in everyday life that you feel that you've done over the years to just improve your communication? Practice talking with people. Yesterday I went to the Riser Nation Network event. Mm -hmm. and Shout out Matt Worthington yeah, and those guys. Shout out Matt Worthington and those guys. And I was there speaking to the people that I already knew. And then I told myself, well, if I consider myself a communication specialist, I got to put it to work. Cause I was about to leave, you know, I got my pizza, had a quick shot of tequila. I was like, oh, I'm just going to leave. But then I was like, you know what? No, I, I need to put it into effect. So then I, I went to a table with two gentlemen and, and we had a great conversation. I, I didn't want to stay for more than 10, 15 minutes. I ended up staying for another hour and we just, we were just having a good time. And it all started with, you know, putting it to test, you know, communicating, asking, asking, but also caring about what the person's speaking about. And then just putting what I believe uh, are the principles of communication to work, you know, seeing how I could connect with the individual. I always ask somebody where they're from you, and wherever they're from, I'll see how I can connect some type of culture with where they're from. And through that, then we already share some type of relationship. And then when we have that relationship, well, we already have a, a level based connection. And then from there, it just gets better and better. So that's something that I've tried using is a simple question like, oh, where are you from? You know, one of them said he's from New Orleans. And I'm like, I love gumbo. Because I do. I love gumbo. But because he knew that I knew about his culture, he felt more comfortable speaking with me. And then after that, we, all of us on the table, we were just hitting it off. And we had a good time. So 
I always try wherever I go, even if it's at work at Juiced Up when there's a person speaking with me, I always try to make a friend. Make a friend and see how, try to break the barriers. I believe sometimes when we're speaking with strangers, we create barriers for each, for ourselves because some people, they don't want to just speak to people. And I get it. We're in, a, we're in a time where it's hard to trust somebody or communication. I think it's hitting it's hitting a low peak right now, especially because of COVID, the pandemic. We're all used to being virtually on our phones where I'm trying to break barriers. So I, I do that every day is how I can how, how can I break someone's barrier to make a friend? Simple as that. So you're talking about breaking barriers when it comes to communication. And I, I agree with you. I think in today's world, that's something that people struggle to do. When you reflect on kind of some of the pain points that are happening in today's world and how communication could potentially help improve our, our world, the life that we live here in the United States, what could the average person be doing to improve not only their own situation, but the situation for everyone around them when you're thinking in the lens of communication? That's a good question. I think, well, personally, so good. That's a really good question. I would say communication first starts with yourself. How do you communicate with yourself? Are you negative to yourself? Are you positive to yourself? I think that starts right there. It's like uh, interpersonal communication. Talk to yourself. Be positive with yourself. I understand we can be hard on ourselves, which I think is good, but also there needs to be, there needs to be a balance. I, I played like crap today, but I'm still great, and I can bounce back. Also, I, I believe in God. I speak to God. I also communicate with God. So I think communicating with God or communicating with whatever you, whoever whatever you believe in I think is important as well. And then it's speaking with family, speaking with friends, speaking certain topics that you don't necessarily agree with, but seeing how you can find a middle ground to understand, not to argue, but to understand. I think a lot of times, and I, I've seen it through myself in the past, is where instead of listening, I'm waiting to respond. And that's one of the crucial aspects to communication is we forget, that we forget to even listen because all we want to do is respond. In my previous podcast episodes, like the first 10 episodes, I've, uh, when I hear myself, I realize like I could have asked a great question, but I was so focused on responding. You know, I, I could have taken this conversation to a better direction, but because of my lack of listening, because I, I, I wanted to say something, I ruined it. So listening, listening is very important as well. Silence. I believe that communication is great when you're in silence. You're driving the car and you listen to no music. Sometimes your conscience speaks to you and I think you need to listen to that voice. I think that'll help you become a better communicator. To some people that may sound crazy, but it works with me. I think silence is therapy. I think silence helps you reflect on Maybe there's certain things that I've said in my life that are just completely dumb that I need to work on. Maybe what I said to her yesterday, that's why she's responding a certain way. So silence is great. I believe it helps us be more... It helps us with realization as to our communication with ourselves, but also the communication we speak with other people and practice it. You know, speak with other people, speak with your family, speak with your friends, speak with a stranger. Try to make a friend with the cashier at H-E-B or at the grocery store. So I would say practice, you know, practice speaking with people. It's going to be tough, 
But, you know, difficult conversations make for better results, I would say. I really like how you said silence because silence forces you to do the two other things that you mentioned, which is how are you communicating to yourself and then listening to others, not hearing, listening. I think everyone does a great job of hearing other people, but actually listening to other people and understanding where they're coming from. You mentioned the word understanding is something that it just isn't taught. And I think, I think it stems from there's not enough dialogue in the education system. We're so used to being in a classroom with 20 to 30 kids and having the teacher at the front tell us things when all we really want to do is have a dialogue. So then when we get the dialogue, like in our personal relationships outside of the classroom, we want to dominate it because eight hours of our day in school, this, this is me projecting from my lens. And I think a lot of other people's, I so wanted to be involved and have the spark every day, but I was told to sit down in a, in a chair and just like, and just not listen, just hear me. I'm the teacher. And I think that just can, and then you get into a job and it's the same fucking thing. It's like, yeah. this is your job, do it. Rather than like having a dialogue and a discourse from day one involving your children in the dinner table conversation, rather than talking at them, talk with them. And I think that just has been amplified over and over and over again. And now we have this opposite problem where it's like you go on social media and people want to dot like just dominate, 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 dominate rominate than listen because our whole lives we've been, we've been programmed to just shit, sit down and shut up. Like, so it has this opposite effect completely just off the cuff there. But it made me, when you said silence, interpersonal and listening, I couldn't even hear myself when I was younger because like when you're talking interpersonal, like what I was saying to myself, because I was so overstimulated on like wanting to respond. So to wrap this little note, it's how do we get people to not even need to respond? I think that's like one of the things you mentioned, you were sitting there feeling like you had to respond. Like why in your mind, why is that a human nature that I have to respond when somebody says something or does something? Why can't I just say nothing? I think it's what you said with uh, dominance, right? It's that dominance and uh, maybe you can call it the ego. Because I, I, I do believe we need the ego, but I think it's that dominance. We, we want to feel dominant because we're suppressing what we want to say. How you talked about in, in the educational system, well, that's very true. When you're not in a dialogue, you, you shut up, uh, you shut up, you shut up, you listen. And then if you question it, you get in trouble. I'm sure there's been plenty of times in your life where I know what happened in my life in high school, college, where I ask why it's just because that's the way it is. They'll respond to me. That's just the way it is. And just listen. And they take away your voice. And because of that, I think you do suppress that a little bit. And then how you said too in the workforce that you don't necessarily have a voice. You just shut up and listen. And I think 
that's where whoever the boss is, supervisor, manager, the teacher, that's where they fail to become leaders. Mm-hmm. Is uh, yeah, leaders lead by example, but um, leaders don't demand people; they uh, they show people, and then they ask, and then they tell them why. That's the way I see they it. They open doors; they don't close them. Yeah, I, I think it starts from the the leadership aspect of it. Is you know who are you surrounding yourself with? Who are you talking with? You how you said it? You know with. Uh, I know you have a newborn son. I'm sure when he gets older, you're going to ask him to share at the dinner table what's going on instead of telling him. And I think that's leadership right there. And I think that's going to help your son become a better communicator because he's able to express what he wants to say. He's not suppressing anymore. And I think that will help us become better communicators because, yeah, you know, monkey sees, monkey do. If we're always in a, a state where we're being suppressed, then... We're just doing the same thing with whoever we're speaking with, right? Is we're suppressing them because we want to feel dominant. So we're not getting anywhere. It's stagnant. Yeah, it just it just goes down the line. It like kicks the ball down the down the field when the the system that we have, because you have the I would say the the student feeling dominated. And then as soon as they get into a position of leadership, they want to dominate rather than understanding what you're saying is a true leader is the, the phrase that I always use is like interested over interesting. Mm. That, that is like how you in, in a nutshell, if you're going out and you're networking and you're going to different events and you're meeting new people, you can find a quality leader very quickly by witnessing how they approach being interested versus being interesting. That's they true. always, We'll tell a little bit about themselves to get somebody like baited into the conversation, but then it always flips into what that person is doing with their life and where they're going. And the reason that they become interested, the reason I become interested is because if I know more about you, I know how to be valuable to you. And a leader wants to be valuable to his people, not the opposite way around. Absolutely. I, I, I definitely agree with you there. I, I, heard, I saw this video the other day and it said, don't impress, express. And that's true. Uh, I think sometimes, you know, it, let's say you and I were to meet for the first time. It's better to be the listener because, one, it makes you more interesting, but you haven't even said anything yet because all you're doing is expressing interest. So it's like a, it's like a yin to a yang, right, in a way, where you become more interesting because you're not saying anything much about yourself because you're so interested in the other person. So then at the same time, because they don't know much about you, now they gravitate towards you as well. Does that it's, make sense? It's also a selfish thing. This is like, you think it's selfish, selfless to listen, but I've come to realize that like it's selfish because what do I get out of speaking? I mean, on a podcast, maybe I get some clips, right? In reality, like what the fuck do I get out of this, Right. By, by speaking, maybe I get someone more bought in and they like, they, they, they on the outside externally will smile and like me. Maybe, maybe it turns them off. Who knows? But if I listen, maybe I learn something new. Maybe I can understand if I'm going to trust this person and I'm going to listen to them another time because I'm going to ask them out to coffee or on a podcast or whatever. Selfishly, I'm like, what can I get out of any interaction? I must be interested in that conversation. 
Because if I'm not, I'm kind of just wasting my time. And a lot of times I'm probably just wasting that other person's time because I just sound like an asshole. And that's what most people like, especially when we're trying to break out of college and into our career and blossom, we try to dominate because we think that's what really gets us to that next level. But the reality is it's, it's way deeper than that, but also way simpler. Like ask a good question and just listen. And then don't be thinking about your next question. Be present in the conversation. Oh, 100%. And that, I, that's why I love podcasting. When I started the podcast, the, initially it was, how does this help me become a better speaker and connect with people on deeper levels? That's very true. Did this happen with you? That as you did more podcast, you became more of a listener than the speaker? Does that make sense? Yeah. And the, the, the way that I can articulate it is when I'm a guest on other people's podcasts, I, I think I throw them off because I ask a lot of questions and it stems from me listening to them. So they'll, they'll go on a little tangent and then they'll ask me a question and I'll be like, well, I'd actually want to know more about you and this, like why you asked that and where this happened. I noticed the more I did my own podcast like this, that I started like rebuttaling back with questions on other shows and that was a sign like oh i'm starting to get this i'm starting to understand oh that's the thread i need to go down so yeah 100 percent um and on on my show on on this podcast um i kind of have gotten better at just like riffing and like not thinking so heavily like i'll interject that was not something i used to do it used to be like i'm gonna talk and then i'm gonna wait for you to answer and then i'm just gonna sit here but the better i the more i did the better i got it just like just going with it just like flowing (laughs) going you know like just where we're at now so it's it's really just i think that's the to to make a, a a point for others to take away something from this little riff it's you mentioned trust earlier and i don't feel trust when we're in a conversation that's kind of uh what is it called um premeditated Mm. like i don't like podcasts that are premeditated i like off the cuff obviously we have a direction we have some questions that are in mind but i didn't send you any questions before you got in on here right yeah no you didn't and I, i i was gonna i was gonna ask you too uh how do you do this do you do you send me questions but I, I myself just went with it as well. I'm like, I'm just going to go with it. As a host, I mean, as a, per, as a guest, I've just learned, just go with it. You know, I think everyone's got their own different system. But I like the way you, you do it, man. It's, it's very authentic. And I think that's when your mind stimulates the most, right? The unexpected. Coming back to the whole theme of communication and trust, nailing it down, I want to build trust with my guest first and that's where the authenticity of of feeling your vibe when you come in here asking you what do you want to talk about today because if i have this preset questions and that doesn't fire you up then why are we even here like that is the antithesis i forget how to say it but like the anti of thrive on life like today jorge is different than he will be tomorrow 
and you're different than you were yesterday and you're feeling a different way and you want to talk about a different thing in a different way and you have something that's sparking your interest, that's what I want to pull out. And I can't pull that out if I send you a list of 10 questions prior. So with that being said, we're getting close to the back half of this podcast. What is firing you up today? So one of the one of the funny instances uh, I've had hanging out with you is we did the Murph together. Yeah. And uh, I unintentionally won our heat, um, which just is, uh, it made me happy because like I put a lot of work into just becoming disciplined and more fit in my, in my cardio. Uh, but <laughs> you mentioned to me, you were just like, man, I thought I was going to catch up to you. And then you were just gone. Um, so that was a little fun, a little fun thing. Um, you definitely earned my trust a little bit more on that day because like, I like to be in the arena with people. So one of the things you do on the side is you do juiced up. You brought me that smoothie. It's nice to have people serving you something that also do the damn thing themselves. So I wanted to give you kudos on like, obviously your background in endurance and athletics, um, but also on the flip side of content creation and, and communication. But what is firing you up today? What's Jorge getting into today? Well, it all started with getting a little morning routine workout in, taking a cold shower, walking Eddie's dogs, my roommate, the owner of Juiced Up. Uh, this podcast, man, I really looked forward to it. You know you know how you, uh, I got so excited. I don't know when you get so excited that you have to take a shit. Oh, I, oh yeah. Oh, every day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's how I knew today was going to be a great day. I'm like, oh, I'm so excited. This is, this is the third shit of the day, but hey, let's get it going. Yeah, dude, sports, man. That's like every every time I played a sport, I I'm I've just my whole adult life tried to recreate that like pregame feeling. Um, podcasts certainly do it. Um, speaking engagements, I actually spoke at Riser, their first one. Um, not their their first one at a highbrow lowbrow. Highbrow lowbrow, yeah. Um, those types of events is is what I chase. Is there anything on the on the hit list for you this year? Like any endurance events or anything business-wise that you're, you're really striving towards? Like what's the, what's the milestone that you're. So the cool thing is I will be speaking at several schools, Texas state, UIW, hopefully at UTEP that involves communication and content creating. So they are asking me for uh, my advice and just my experience and talking with the students, which I think is really cool. I think that'll help me be a better public speaker. That's one thing that I want to focus on is being a better public speaker but also connecting with the people as well. I will be moving back to El Paso in late August, early September to catch up with my family. I haven't been there in nine years. So it'll be good to go back to my roots. I think sometimes it's it's good to take one step back to move two steps forward. I also need, you need, need to spend time with family. It's been a while, you know? I think family helps you, it humbles you. And it makes you realize who you are, where you came from, and the end goal, like why you're doing this. You know, family is always a motivation for me. So going back there and, you know, taking care of them and living with them is it's going to be a great opportunity. I look forward to that. I look forward to seeing Juiced Up grow. Juiced Up's amazing. We're open. We, we just opened up our second shop on Monday. And so far, it's been it's been great. It's been a great journey. Living the, the Juiced Up lifestyle as well. I've been able to meet great people such as yourself. I love the disciplined field. You know, speaking about trust, the character you have yourself is something that I embody. And it's without even talking with you, it's I've already built some sort of trust with you because I look at you and you're a dog, bro. 
your dog, you go after it, you're willing to better yourself and you're willing to hurt. And that's the people that I want to be surrounding myself with is the people that are getting out there and getting it done. You know, no excuses. The content that you produce on your Instagram, I love it. I enjoy it. It's it's very positive. It cracks me up when you're going on a run and you're smiling. I'm like, this guy is always so positive. It could be 130 degrees, but he's always got a smile on. And, you know, we need to do that ourselves. Uh, I'm looking forward today to going to the shop, serving people, connecting with people. I worked yesterday. I met this one guy from Brazil who showed great energy. You know, he's going to come back and he already signed up for our rewards. So that's pretty cool is just the people that you meet. And then I'm going to be playing soccer later on at Sphere Soccer. I I love soccer. I, I heard that. Well, you're telling me that you're playing college soccer. I would love to learn more about that, you know, because I think soccer is the most beautiful sport in the world. I think that's the best sport to make a connection with because it's a global sport. So I'll be doing that as well. And then at the end of the night, I'll reflect and I'll work on my podcast as well and, you know, get more involved with communication. Hell yeah. A little bit of a lot. I, I love your talk about family. Um, it's something that I will admit I was naive to. I wanted to run away from family, be my own man. And I did that. I moved several different cities in a few different years, ended up in Austin and made a home for myself. And my wife did the same thing. And together now we are realizing when our parents held our child for the first time and seeing like, man, this whole, like we're a thousand over a thousand miles away and he doesn't get to see them as much. Life is finite. We need to do something about this. So I commend you because that's not easy to do. Like you, you're, you're thriving here and to, it's one thing to leave a situation or a place that has nothing to offer you, but you have everything that you would need in Austin, but to kind of take a step back and say, you know what, I'm being called to do something a little bit bigger with a little bit more purpose. <laughs> I applaud that dude. That's like, that just hit me. Um, just live here on this podcast because yeah, it's something Aaron and I have been talking about for a while now. Uh, the beauty is everything that you've been up to kind of comes with you. You can, you can expand and amplify yourself and that's why I love entrepreneurship. It's one of those things that no matter where you go, the skills you've learned, you can utilize them to recreate yourself and the world that you're in, in that environment. Uh, and you mentioned Sphere Club. Um, when I moved to Austin, Texas, I was the one who brought it to Austin. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mike Chabala is one of my good friends. Um, he's done a hell of a job over the years. Talk about somebody that's a hustler and, and uh, for the people and, and really is trying to get a mission across the world. Uh, the dude just is nonstop with trying to get people to connect through passes. So kudos to him and, and Tanner and a bunch of other people that over the years have, have made it happen. Um, but it was one of those things that I moved from Houston to Austin and I was friends with him in Houston and working with Sphere and uh, wanted to continue my involvement. So ending on that on that point because as you go to El Paso I just want you to know like don't don't think that everything that you're doing right now can't scale to to that point um and that's that's really I'd love to end the conversation on what is a problem 
that you're trying to solve. So it sounds like one of them is like when you go to El Paso, you're going to have to figure out like, how are you going to navigate juiced up and all the other stuff you're doing? But if there's another thing that comes to mind, what is one problem that you're trying to solve right now? Because someone out there who's listening to this might be able to help you. So what is one problem that I'm trying to solve? There's a lot of problems, but, uh, one of the main problems is finding balance is, uh, you know, if I'm going to do all these things, like where's the balance to me, that's what it is, is, uh, balance or, 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 or decision too, you know, like, cause I, sometimes when you don't balance everything, then nothing is moving forward. Nothing is moving everything. Everything's failing. When you're doing too many things and you're trying to make everything work, then everything fails. So sometimes it's not even balance, but making the right decision. So that's a problem that I'm trying to solve right now is making sure I'm making the right decision so I don't cause more chaos. Are we capable to understand what the right decision is in the moment or can we only understand what the right decision is after we've made it? It's a good question. I would say a little bit of both. I think they're, and obviously it's subjective, right? But I, sometimes you know what the right decision is it's whether if you want to do it or not. I believe we have that conscious in our mind where it's like, you know, this is the right decision. You should do this, but it's up to you because we have that free will if we want to listen or not. Whereas I would say in my situation of either staying here in Austin, going back to El Paso, I think e either or could be the right decision. It's, it's how you said it. it's afterwards, if that was the right decision or not. So it really all depends on the circumstance, the situation. Outside of moving to El Paso, what's a decision right now that you've been contemplating that you think you actually need to make, but it might, might have been hesitant to make it? This is why I love podcasting. I had no idea I'd be asking this question today. Because <laughs> yeah. now you got me, now I'm thinking about this answer to myself. That's <laughs> why it's so helpful. Well, you know, one decision that I made recently, and it was it was a tough decision, is having a girlfriend. I think that was one of the most toughest decisions because, you know, if my boys are like, hey, bro, I like this girl, I think I have a girlfriend, I'm like, don't do it, bro. You're stupid. Live life. Enjoy it. You know, that's my philosophy. Everybody else is different. But then you meet that one girl, right, that you're like, damn. And... You know, uh, there was a uh, month where I was like, what am I going to do? And finally I made the decision. She's my girlfriend and I'm happy. You know, I'm glad I made that decision. It was a decision that, uh, was really eating me up. But when I made the decision, I felt free. I felt freedom in my mind. And I also believe that I made the right decision. So that was a situation that, uh, that was, that was yeah, that was one of the situations that I've been thinking a lot lately and then when I finally made it it was a good it, it, I felt at peace when I made it and I'm happy I'm happy for you hell yeah. yeah is which makes me think is any decision better than no decision because you mentioned you felt free when you made the decision so my mind goes to if we're stuck in limbo in a decision is making either side of the decision better than 
being indecisive in the first place. Yes, I believe so. Because it, it, uh, it creates that thought. I mean, it, it, it eliminates that thought. And now you have more freedom to think about other things. You have more space. You have more space. So yeah. what, what about you? What do you think about that? I agree with you. I think I always tend to, if I'm struggling to make a decision, why am I being indecisive in the first place? Because I think everyone is decisive in certain arenas of their life. So for you, maybe you were indecisive in your relationships, but maybe you were decisive if in I'm moving back to El Paso. I think a lot of people discredit themselves because they think, oh, I'm, I'm lazy or I'm not disciplined or I'm not decisive. But the reality is like in some ways you're probably not lazy. In some ways you're probably not, not disciplined. In some ways you're probably actually decisive. How do you flip that mind, that, that area into the other area? So over my life, I've just tried to, okay, what am I really decisive at? What am I really good at making decisions on? And how do I just be that me in the indecisive area of my life? So somewhere in my life that I'm a little bit indecisive right now is where should I go to make money? Like how should I make an income? I can start another business. I can join a business. I can buy a business. I can spend more time investing in stocks. I can create products and services. I have so many skills that I'm just like, shit, what should I do? Now, literally just asking myself, okay, like you're decisive in, very decisive in my fitness. This is what I need to, like I ran three miles before we jumped on there. Very decisive in that arena. Okay, why am I decisive in, in that arena? Okay, it doesn't feel like work. So I'm very decisive on it. But I'm indecisive because I'm questioning whether things are going to really feel like work or not. Then I have to ask myself, is it worth the work? Because sometimes things are going to just take work, like feeling like work. So that, those are the rabbit holes and the threads that I go down. But when it comes down to it, it's like if I can make a living not having to feel like work versus feeling like work, the decision is easy. What just doesn't feel like work? Go down that path. So then I'm very decisive. So that's kind of the mental model that I use when it comes to making decisions. And to your point of balance, it's the same thing. If you want to be a multimillionaire, hundred millionaire, your life's going to be out of balance in, in, in certain instances, Facts. but it's going to be very balanced in, in other instances. If you consider your life working 12 hours a day towards making a hundred, I have a hundred million dollar offers on my table, Oxfam Rosie dude works like a, like it's nothing. He just works all day, every day, loves it. So he's balanced. But to me, that's not balanced because I have a child. I want to spend two, three, four, five hours a day with him. So it's really, I think, the question you need to be asking yourself is not am I in balance? It's what do I need to go all in on that just is balanced to me that is looks like not being balanced to other people? Don't allow the external to creep into your mind of the juggling. If juggling feels like balance to you, because that's what it does to me, I work on seven different things and they all move like the tortoise. That would crush my wife. Mm. She wants to work on one thing and fucking annihilate it. <laughs> yeah. Go from zero to 100. Everything else, blinders on. I'm the opposite. I want to do 1% at a time across the board because 
I'm all over the place. In my mind, I'm all over the place. I like to do a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of this and a little bit of that. But the difference is change your expectation. My expectations aren't to go zero to 100 at seven things. It's to go zero to one, zero to one, zero to one, zero to one, zero to one. One to two, one to two, one to two, one to two, one to two. That's balanced to me. But to some other people, that's like, your life is fucking chaos. You're dropping eggs everywhere. I could never do that. I like that. And I could, I like that. Because everything's a, a work in progress at the end of the day. Nothing's going down. Because you go from zero to one, one to two, two to three. Slowly building up where you found your own pace and you're in control. So to me, that is balance when you have control. You know, when you can scale from zero to one, one to two, but in all fields, that's control and balance. I'll give you a direct example. And it relates to you because you have a podcast. The month before my son was born, I had the best month of my podcast. Downloads, like views on Instagram, all that. This month, like he's about to be three months in, it has gone down significantly every month. The difference is, in my mind, it hasn't gone down. But I realize that if I'm spending more time with him and I'm spending less time on my podcast, I'm going to grow with him. That's the most important thing. My podcast might not be growing as fast or growing at the rate that it was, but that's okay. Because the trade-off is now I entered, now enters something that's actually more important than the growth of my podcast linearly. Because my podcast can still grow exponentially if I just keep showing up and keep doing it. So how do I keep showing up and keep doing it? Take the expectation away that it, it needs to continue at the rate that it was continuing and when I didn't have a child. That is the mental flaw of human nature is they th we think that it was at this one point, this peak, and it should remain at that peak even when we enter new variables in that are actually more important. So it's really just shifting your mindset of like, I'm going to keep doing it. It's still an egg in my basket, but it's not going to be at the same rate prior to when he was here, nor should it be, nor should I expect it to be. So just like adjusting the expectations of your projects. Now I do wait, like my bank account, that's the expectation. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, right. So it's like, what are the things that move this up so that I can live the lifestyle that I want? So I focus a lot of energy on that and I focus a lot of time on the people that I'm around. Other than that, everything else is just cherry on top. I don't know if that helps you or not because you work on a lot of, a lot of stuff and obviously with your move, it's going to be this, like another thing that gets at another variable that gets added, but just remind yourself. It's just like that 1%, 2%, 3%. It doesn't have to go zero to 100. I like that. That makes sense. I, that's a, it's a great, great shift of change of, of thinking, you know, I like to see it like this. It's like with, it's like the way gas is here in the United States. There's times where it's going to rise. There's times where it's going to fall. But at the end of the day, it's like the balance of gas. That's how it should be with life. You know, there's times where our views are going to be high. There's times where our views are going to be low. But if we keep showing up, we're still going to keep gaining more followers, right? So, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's always going to be speed bumps. There's always going to be roadblocks. But you just have to keep going. Awesome. I've loved this conversation, Jorge. Uh, communication is a hot topic of mine, and I'm very much looking forward to continue communicating with you off the podcast and learning more about how um, Thriving Life can help you juice stuff and everything that you're working on. We wrap up the podcast in the same way uh, every single time. First and foremost, if somebody listened to this podcast today and they would love to get in contact with you, what's the best way for them to do that? You can definitely reach me through email at jlquinte7 at gmail.com 
or get my Instagram. It's going to be at El Chief underscore Jorge. Awesome. Last question that we always ask everybody is if you were to find the word thriving, how would you do that? Define, is, the, define the word thriving? Yeah. What does it look like to you? It's almost as if it's the same mission as, as, as you stop and it's to live your fullest life. You know, to me, that's, that's how I define thriving is, you know, you're living your fullest life. You're thriving on life because you love doing what you want to do. You're happy about it and nothing can stop you. Only yourself. And you're just thriving. What does a thriving day look like to Jorge? Not hitting my snooze alarm. Got to start with that. Not hitting my snooze alarm, doing my morning routine, drinking a nice cup of coffee, eating some breakfast, whatever it is uh, of work that I have to do, show up, get it done to the best, getting another workout in, and then being surrounded by the people that I love and care about. Heck yeah. A great day is predicated on... I mean, a great life is predicated on great days. So just remind yourself of what your thriving day is and go on and, and make more of them. At the end of every podcast, I talk about kind of like what's the, the number one thing that I took away from it. And there's two words, silence and understanding. If we're not silent and listening, it's hard for us to understand. So when I walk away from this conversation, I'm going to be asking myself, where in my life Am I being a little bit noisy and not giving myself the silence I need to fully understand either a person or a thing or internally understand myself because I'm just putting too much noise out into the world. If you like this conversation with Jorge and you believe that it's made an impact on you and it can help somebody else out there, the best thing that you can do is share this episode with them. I'd love to get his story out there. If you were in Austin and you love to do either yoga because you're at YTX, yeah, we sure right? either yoga or you just love smoothies and acai bowls, check out Juiced Up, reach out to Jorge. Last thing, give us that five-star rating and review. We'd really appreciate it. It's the best thing that you can do to help us get... Jorge and all the rest of our guest stories into the ears of more people. This is CJ Finley with the Thrive on Life podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Talk to you all next time. Thrive on. Thrive on. What's up, y'all? This is CJ again. And on behalf of the small team here at Thrive on Life, I'd like to thank you for listening to one of our episodes. Our mission in life is to help people like you fuel your passion and make every heartbeat count. And we realize the best way to do this is together as a team. So we'd love for you to join in on this mission and connect with like-minded individuals within our Thrive on Life community. To do so, please head to thriveonlife.com and connect with us there. We'd love to chat with you. Before I sign off, I'd like you to always remember one thing. When we strive together, we thrive together. So please do your part in helping others thrive on life.